The New Orleans Pelicans plan to restructure their player care and performance team per report, and it could save the relationship between Zion Williamson and the franchise. Let's talk about it in Wednesday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Wednesday, deviating from a little bit of our draft coverage because we got big news about big restructuring when it comes to the player Care and performance team, the medical staff, whatever you want to call it, and we'll break it all down and what it means for you and answer some of your questions too about roster construction. A guy like EJ Liddell, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the rundown here, new graphics setup for Locked On Pelicans. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to y'all like this, breaking down all of the biggest topics you want to hear about the team and all the draft coverage that you're not getting anywhere else. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. So let's dive into this. This comes per a report by Christian Clark of NOLA.com, who does not have a ton of specifics yet on what it'll look like, but he says the Pelicans are looking at restructuring their player care and performance team. This has been headed by Aaron Nelson, who they brought over from the Phoenix Suns when David Griffin uh, stepped in and took charge. And they spent a lot of money bringing Aaron Nelson in and upgrading the facility for the Pelicans, the practice facility, all that stuff that goes along with that. This is a significant step. Bringing in Aaron Nelson was a big deal. That is a big name in the player performance, player care world. Someone who has thought of very highly around the NBA. So to restructure this, and again, we don't know what that's going to look like yet, but you have to imagine it starts with a change at the top. That's sending a message, sending a message to one person in particular, Zion Williamson. We'll get to that here in a second. Under Aaron Nelson, the uh, the Pelicans have finished 7th, 27th, 20th, and 7th in games lost. It's been a mixed bag, right? Last season with Zion, MBI was pretty rough with the amount of games that they missed. But other times they've been healthy. Lonzo Ball was the healthiest he's been in his career here in New Orleans. So because they're restructuring and because of that awful taste of last season, I do think it also doesn't mean that Aaron Nelson was bad at his job. This might, in a way, be a mistake. We don't know yet. But from an optics perspective... This is the smart thing to do because it feels like something clearly hasn't been working. And if you go in doing the same thing and expecting different results, we all know the phrase, the definition of insanity and all that. The Pelicans, with a lot on the line this season, just could not do something like that. Hence the restructuring here. And this comes after David Griffin said at his end of season media availability, they weren't going to be like, oh, it's the medical staff. We just got to change that. We just got to change that and everything will be okay. 
The number one thing the Pelicans need this coming season has nothing to do with the draft, free agency, or even a player improving his play. It's simply health. It's simply health. If this gets them that, this is the best thing that the team could do. So hopefully they have the right plan in place for what they want to do. Beyond that, we need to talk about how this relates to Zion Williamson, who has a strained at times relationship with the franchise. His rookie year, coming back from the meniscus injury, he was on a minutes restriction. Remember the bursts? We never want to hear those that phrase again. And he hated that. Hated that. Two seasons ago, when they made the postseason against the Phoenix Suns, he wanted to play. And the team was like, uh-uh. This past season, he wanted to play for the play-in tournament. And the team was like, no, you're not going to do that. And that's something that bothers him. Feels like maybe there's just too much kids' gloves when it comes to handling him. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but he clearly wants to play, and at times the team's like, no. Could be because he's not in shape. Could be because they're just thinking long-term, 10 years into the future, as opposed to just right now. Balancing those two can be very difficult. But he hasn't liked it. So, does this signal something to him? Does this show him that, hey, we understand your frustrations, you're our franchise player, you're the man, you're the guy that could lead us to a title, we're going to make some changes in an effort to appease you, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, to be perfectly honest, because again, I don't know if Nelson was actually bad at his job when it comes to this. Does this make him feel more involved? Does this give him more ownership over the direction the franchise is going. It could. And if you can do anything to improve the relationship between him and the team, you do it. So if this is something that really helps, even if it means you have to fire someone who's good at their job, it's well worth it in the long run because everything right now hinges on Zion and kind of his happiness and all of that. You know, if they bring in a new player performance, player care and performance team. I just want to call it the medical staff, but let's use the proper name here. And it gets him to rehab harder from an injury sustained mid-season and keeps him in shape because he likes them better. He listens to them more. And from what I heard, you know, he didn't have the most faith and trust in Aaron Nelson. Again, whether that's correct or incorrect, I think is up for debate. Does he really listen to anyone outside of his camp, his stepfather? I'm not really sure. So it doesn't necessarily mean much. But if you can mend that a little bit, get someone that he listens to more, what does that do for this franchise? It could, it could do very good things, I think. And that's really big and really important. So hopefully this is something that goes a long way towards the Pelicans having more success on the court next season. And it could because the number one thing they need, health. Not a player, not a trade, not someone they could draft, not even someone developing a new skill. The more shooting from everybody wouldn't be a bad thing. But this is the move, if it works out, if, could get worse, could get worse. If it works out, this is the type of thing that gets the Pelicans back into the playoffs and gets them back on the road to contention after what felt like everything kind of got derailed at the end of last season. 
So coming up next, it's time to answer your questions. I asked for mailbag questions. Y'all delivered. One person in particular delivered. I'll answer a couple questions they threw out there that I liked over the next two segments. And we can do more of these throughout the week, too, and next week and the week after that because it's the offseason. So if you want your questions answered on Locked on Pelicans, leave them in the comments down below on YouTube or let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500, $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. If you think Jokic is going to win finals MVP, if you think the Nuggets are the heavy favorite and want to get in on that, or if Jimmy Butler can surprise, you're getting very good odds in the Miami Heat right now. There's no better place to bet all finals action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to you like this. And if you're watching on YouTube, we've got new fancy graphics here. It's going to be the norm going forward. You can see the roadmap of the show. And if you want to support the channel, you don't need to give us any money. Just be coming every day or listen Monday through Friday. A couple of y'all asked me questions on Twitter that I've answered in other shows that have whole shows dedicated to them. Start listening, and all your questions clearly are going to be answered. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow along on YouTube. So let's get to a couple of questions. And the next couple of these come from Keith Gammons, who just lit it up in there and had some great ones, and I love it. So I want to look at the bigs right here and center it around EJ Liddell. And his question was, are there any updates on EJ Liddell's availability for next season? Could we see him replace Jackson Hayes' minutes? He also has another question that ties into this. You know, EJ Liddell, the second round pick from last year who missed all of this year with an injury, is on a two-way deal. And they signed him to a two-year, two-way contract. So he's still on a two-way next season, which limits unless they convert it or change it to an actual NBA contract and sign him to the active roster, the amount of games that he could be playing. So could he replace Jackson Hayes' minutes? Yeah, in theory. Jackson Hayes played in 47 games and played 13 minutes per game. It's about right for a two-way player. They can play in about 40 games or so. So yeah, he could get those minutes. I think there's still there were a lot of people in the front office who were very high on him. They were shocked he slipped that far in to the second round. I had him 19th or 20th, actually, on my big board. Going into the draft, I was very high on EJ Liddell. So when they drafted him, pretty thrilled about that. He's a versatile enough big, but they're not going to rush him back from this. They're going to bring him along slowly. And likely before he's getting NBA minutes, he's going to be getting G League minutes with the Birmingham squadron. Similar to how they took their time bringing Kyra Lewis Jr., who you can see on the road, road, road map. There we go that we'll talk about kind of next when it comes to the guards on this roster. So yeah, like he's recovering. He's looking good. You see the practice videos, the training videos of him. And I think he's someone the Pelicans still kind of have a plan for the future with. But this ties kind of into the next question here. And Keith Gammon says the same thing. 
The Pels need more shot blocking and rebounds. Derek Lively, the second, could be right there for the Pels at 14. Could he be a possibility? Or does he just clog up the paint for Zion Williamson? This is an interesting question because I think it comes down to draft philosophy here more than anything. Let's assume a healthy roster, which is maybe a dangerous thing to do, given what we just talked about in the first segment. Zion Williamson played, where'd the numbers go? 33 minutes per game. Played, you know, power forward. You also had Jonas Valanciunas playing 25 minutes per game and Larry Nance Jr. playing 21 minutes per game. Let's start with Zion here. 33 minutes at the power forward spot leaves you 15 minutes at the power forward spot. There's 48 minutes in an NBA game. Okay, 15 minutes there. You have Jonas Valanciunas. Let's, let's make the number, let's call it 25 minutes here. Okay, so 23 minutes there. Added up, I'm not going to do the math in my head on this one. I'm going to actually break out a calculator. What do we say if he was playing 30, Zion was playing 33 minutes, so 15 plus whatever it is. I, I don't have it in front of me. Okay, you get what I'm saying. Plus, add in Larry Nance Jr.'s minutes. There's not a lot of minutes in the front court to go around. There just really aren't. So let me ask you this. Less about... Derek Lively, the second as a player, and I like him. He's really the only center outside of Victor Wembanyama that you're looking at even close to the lottery, maybe even in the first round. Does it make sense to invest a valuable resource, the 14th pick, in a big man that has 12 to 15 minutes available to them? Would it be better to draft a player that you think could fill another role, could take on a larger role, and try and fill those limited backup four and five minutes with a replacement level player. This changes if they trade Jonas Valanciunas, which is something I think they might do this offseason. I've talked a lot about that if you're an everydayer. But I don't know if I would invest the 14th overall pick in a center, even if one that I'm relatively high on, and I like the type of defending that Lively can do on the perimeter, actually. He's grown on me as a prospect. I don't know with the 14th pick if that's what the Pelicans need to do. Is he going to get enough minutes to develop? Is he going to carve out a role on this team? Maybe, maybe not. And while I'm not always a believer in drafting for fit, sometimes it's just simply take best player available, and that's kind of the predominant draft theory, I'm also a big believer in like draft dudes that are also going to play and that are just solid NBA players. And when you look at who's going to be available at 14, and given the roles they could play, and I just talked about Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan yesterday, and I think he could be a future sixth man of the year, that's the, and someone who would get maybe more minutes on this Pelicans team right away, that is the type of player that intrigues me more at 14, rather than shot blocking and rebounds from a guy that won't necessarily play a whole lot. Because there's just a bunch of people above him in the pecking order. I'm curious what y'all think. Would you draft a center there, even if it was, you know, a very good prospect, knowing that probably not going to get minutes right away? Or do you think there's better directions for the Pelicans to go with the 14th overall pick? And when you factor in EJ Liddell, even if he's on a two-way deal and soaking up some of those minutes, and then, you know, whatever other big that you sign on a minimum deal, maybe it's still a guy like Billy Hernan Gomez. I don't think it'll be Jackson Hayes. We can get into that in uh, maybe another day, but when you start to think about how they have to deal with him in free agency, offering him the qualifying offer and 
what if he accepts a qualifying offer at like $8 million? I don't want to do that. That puts you into like the luxury tax territory. And that sounds like a disaster for the Pelicans. So I think you do it with just a cheaper option. And I don't know if you want to invest the 14th pick, even if it's not drafting best player available, even though I think they're going to be better players available with that for just something that doesn't make as much sense. Let me know what you think in the comments down below on YouTube. We also just mentioned maybe drafting a guard, a wing, someone who could take on a bigger role. And I've said playmaker a lot or score. The Pelicans have one in Kyra Lewis Jr. Have they given up on him? I'll talk about it a little bit more and explain where I, what I think his future is with the team. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to you all like this. Breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, whether it's draft talk, and we'll get back to it. I want to look at a couple of other guys this week as I'm blanking on literally all of the names that I want to talk about, which is fine as I look up the names that I want to get to in the next couple of days. Keontae George from Baylor. I also want to look at the pair from Arkansas in Nick Smith Jr. and Anthony Black. Jet Howard out of Michigan. I'd also really like to look at Kaysen Wallace out of Kentucky, Taylor Hendricks if he's available, Cam Whitmore, and Leonard Miller, who I think is super interesting, and yes, Derek Lively the second as well, and maybe Chris Murray from Iowa. So there's a lot of other prospects that I want to do profiles on, and we're going to have the fancy new graphics here to do it. So become an everydayer and never miss out on an episode, because y'all ask these questions, and I've answered them. And I'll answer more of your questions too. I enjoy doing the mailbags and talking about the things y'all really want to hear. So today we're answering not all of your questions. We're answering Keith Gammon's questions because he had a lot in there and they were actually really good and all kind of flowed together, I thought. So let's answer another one from him here. It's the Keith Gammon's episode. Maybe it could be your episode of Locked on Pelicans if you ask questions. See, it happens. He says, there's a lot of talk about drafting a playmaker. Have the Pelicans given up on Kyra Lewis Jr.? So when I've profiled most players, right, they've kind of been guards, wings. I haven't really looked at like pure bigs because I think when the Pelicans are looking at need, that's kind of the direction they want to go. There's just a little bit more guard wing minutes to go around than some of those big minutes, especially because guys can kind of play multiple positions. Kobe Bufkin, I think, is more of a combo guard. I haven't put the one, probably more of a two but it, it fits in there. Kyra Lewis Jr., you know, played in 25 games last season, coming back from that injury. And it's tough to see a future with this team with him. Like they didn't really play him a ton in late in the season when it felt like maybe he could give them a jolt of energy. I don't think he was particularly good in those minutes. I don't think he was horrible in the very limited minutes, 9.4 per game. And I don't think he was turning a corner before the injury happened the season before, but he did shoot on very limited attempts, 44% from three. That's something there. The problem is his contract and what you're getting out of him. He's going into the final year of his rookie deal. Is this a guy that you feel comfortable re-signing for more money? Or would it be better to draft a cheaper player? If you've been an everydayer, even going back to last season, I've been 
banging the drum hard that the Pelicans, in terms of the salary cap, are not in an amazing spot. Not the end of the world, not anything they can't handle, but certainly not good. And if you need to be cheap, letting getting rid of, getting off of Kyra Lewis Jr. is probably a way to go about it. Do you see them re-signing him after next season? Think about the players who are ahead of him in the guard rotation and minutes. CJ, Herb Jones, or Brandon Ingram, whoever you're kind of putting at that two-guard spot, you know, is Jose Alvarado's ahead of him. Dyson Daniels is ahead of him. That doesn't leave a huge role for him to even really show off what he's capable of doing, whatever that might be, for them to want to re-sign him. And I think that presents a problem. Josh Richardson's kind of in that equation too if they bring him back. So if they draft another guard, yeah, I don't really see him coming back. And it has less to do with him, though it has to do with him, and more to do with the pecking order, the rotation, you know, the depth chart, and an unfortunate injury. You know, the good news is he's young. And they were really high on him in the draft process. He still has all of the speed, right? He won't turn 23 until like towards the end of next, or sorry, 20, yeah, 23 until the end of next season. He's still a very young player. So there's still time for him to grow. Is it just going to happen here? And I'm not sure that that is the answer. And so that's where I think, They've not necessarily given up on him. I wouldn't say they've given up on anyone on the roster. But if you're going to prioritize, I don't think you're prioritizing Kyra Lewis Jr. And I don't see him. He's a combo guard who can score and dish the ball a little bit. Mainly off drives to the rim, which is useful. But is he a shooter? I'm not sure. Is he a playmaker for others? Like I'm not sure that he is. Is he going to probe a defense, pull the strings, run pick and rolls, things like that? Not, not really sure about that. Hasn't really shown that. Is he a shooter? Okay, we have one season of good three-point shooting, but on a total of 34 attempts, 15 of 34 this season, you know, he's taken 212 in his NBA career and shot 32%. Who, who knows, but those numbers aren't great. And I think that creates just a problem for him of, yeah, they're probably not going to look to him as part of the future as they might with just someone younger they feel they can develop. And unfortunately, who hasn't had those injuries? And so that's kind of why I've been looking at other guards that can kind of give scoring punch in the half court. Is that Kyra Lewis Jr.? Like, maybe... I haven't really seen that much from him at the NBA level. So you start to look elsewhere. And it's not his fault. It's the injuries and other factors into it too. And he could still develop and be someone good. But given he's kind of running out of time on that rookie deal here, it leads to me saying probably not. So what do you think about the future of Kyra Lewis Jr.? Keep him here? Not? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the channel, become an everydayer. Tomorrow, Keontae George, we can go into your questions even more so after that. Let me know what you want to hear on Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.